0: Including our series "Unshakable Message" our marriage today, and, uh, and we're going to be talking about about the role of a husband. I know last week my father uh, spoke about the role of wives, and so there are some that have said that I threw my dad under the bus by having him speak on the subject of of wives, and I chickened out and uh, ran out of town. I don't know about y'all. I think that's called being smart. And uh, so Dad brought his words of wisdom last week that came from Scripture in Ephesians chapter five. And so we looked at the role of a wife last week, but this week we're going to see that there is also a role that the husband is to play. Now, I I love the song because it's speaking of whenever you are in the fire, there is someone who's going to be standing there with you. And that someone, of course, is the Lord. And so if your marriage today, you feel like your marriage is in the fire, my hope is that you'll be encouraged in knowing that we have a God who always stands with His people. And so that's why today, if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 25 in just a few moments. Uh, but, but we all know that, for, especially those of us who are married, we know that, that marriage, it, it is a great thing. Uh, but there are times when marriage, it, it can be kind of difficult. I uh, read a story, I heard a story about a young couple been married for a few years. And uh, after a few years, I mean, they were just really Struggling. Uh, the husband, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't very attentive, didn't pay a whole lot of attention to his wife. When she'd speak to him, he basically, basically would ignore her. And then on her end, she was just a v- very demanding. And so they finally got together, and she said, if we're going to make it, we've got to go see a counselor. And so they got together, they went to see a counselor, and they walked in. The counselor said, y'all have a seat, and, and he's all smiles. And, and he said, well, tell me, what's, what's going on in, in your marriage? And immediately, I mean, the wife just hops in and she just lays into her husband and she starts talking about how he doesn 't pay any attention to her. He ignores her as she 's speaking, he just puts his head down and his shoulders are sort of slumping and you know, like all of the life just comes out of him, and she has a lot of a lot of legitimate complaints, and so she keeps going on after about fifteen minutes. Uh, the counselor just stops her hang on just a second, and he gets up and he walks over. To the man's wife, and he grabs her by the shoulders and he gives her a long, passionate kiss. And the husband's just sitting there, and he's just sort of dumbfounded, and then the counselor goes back and he sits back down and he says, Listen, your wife needs that twice a week. And so the husband sat there for a second, and he said, Well, I can bring her in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> now, uh, now there's a lot of us sometimes we, we might be, guys, sometimes we might be a little insensitive. You know, whenever it comes to marriage, we might not sometimes be the sharpest knife in the drawer, uh, but today we are going to see that husbands have a very vital and important role to play in marriage. And it's interesting to me that there are times when I will, I will be doing some study for a message and every once in a while there will just be something that will jump out at me and I, and I will say, I, I never knew that, and that's significant. And as I was studying, I was looking at the word husband, and y'all, this isn't a joke by the way, but but what husband means, and and the word husband, it it means, if you take the first part of husband, H-U-S, it's house, and then the last word is band, and so it's like a rubber band. So the husband is the one who is to bound the house, or to band the house together. And I thought, yeah, that was significant for me. Because I think most of the time, uh, at least my thought, is if I'm thinking about the glue of a marriage, the glue of a household, so oftentimes I think that it it is the wife. But as we look into Scripture, we see that it is the husband who has a responsibility to be a spiritual leader in the family and to bind or to band the household together for there to be stability. And so that's really what we're going to be looking at today for husbands. How is it that we bring about stability in our households? How do we bring about stability in our marriages? And so the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians five, twenty five through thirty two, uh, a few things that are directed towards men, that are directed towards husbands. And he shares with us a few things that men would be wise to remember in their marriages. Now, just a little background information, whenever Paul wrote this letter, uh, Paul was where he normally was when he was writing letters, which is prison. And uh, he was in prison because he was one who preached the gospel. And at this time, many people in the Roman government saw Christianity as being subversive uh, subversive to the state. But it's interesting that Paul, while he's in prison, he found marriage to be important enough to write a letter to the church in Ephesians, sharing with them the role of a husband and a wife. And so that just reiterated to me that, that marriage is something that is significant to God. And what we're going to do today is we're just going to take a look at a few things that men ought to keep in mind in their marriages. And so the very first thing and I see in our text today to keep in mind is this, husbands, we need to keep in mind the purpose of for a husband's love, a husband's love for his wife in particular. Now, I want you to look with me in verse number 25, and you'll, you'll see where this comes from. In verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just also as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her in the washing of water by the word. And he did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and blameless. So it's real simple. Paul is talking to husbands here, and he says, Husbands, here's what you need to keep in mind as you are in the marriage relationship. You are supposed to love your wives. Now, I look at that, and I think, well, I mean, that, that's pretty obvious, right? I mean, it's sort of a no-brainer. When you get married, it should be one of those things where I am marrying somebody that I love. I, mean, I am marrying a wife, and one of the things I'm supposed to do for my wife is I'm supposed to love her. Now that's in that's in our context of today. Paul was writing in a pagan world, and and just to give you an idea of a just sort of like a regular pagan marriage, you know, a marriage outside of Christianity. This is what would go on when when people would get married back back during Paul's day, if they were not in a Christian society, the marriage would happen. First of all, it was arranged. Uh, the, the girl was typically, or the bride was typically thirteen to fourteen years old when they got married. The typically, the first time they ever met their spouse was the wedding day. How'd y'all like that, ladies? How many of you still, and don't raise your hand. How many of y'all? I was gonna say, how many of y'all would still marry your spouse? That's the first time you ever saw him. Kind of scared I have to ask that question, but uh, but that's a that's a typical marriage. Now, the reason why they got married back in those days, it was not because it was not romance. They did not get married so that they could, you know, communicate, have a soulmate. You know, all these words we use today—I don't know where they came from—but he's yeah, going to be my soulmate. All stuff, that stuff—that was nobody heard of that. You know, they got married back in that day for primarily one reason: it was so that the husband could have a legitimate heir. It was kids. That was it. Fidelity was—I mean—that was something that was that wasn't even really thought about. I mean, being being a faithful to your spouse, the husband being faithful to his wife, because the only reason why they married was simply to have children. So when Paul writes this, if you look again in verse 25, when Paul says, husbands love your wives, I want you to understand this. This was a radical new teaching. This is a teaching that is Christian. When you talk about husbands loving their spouses, that is a Christian teaching. And so then you have to ask the question, well why did they why did they make why did Paul change everything here? Why did he say that husbands are supposed to love their wives? Because for one, God told him to say it. I mean verse 25 again says husbands you are to love your wives. Now I don't think today we struggle as husbands with the concept that we are supposed to love our wives. I think this is where the big struggle comes with a lot of people today. Not am I supposed to love my wife, but here's the the conflict today. How long am I supposed to love my wife? And I think that's a real struggle for many people. You know, I, I've counseled with couples over the years. I've talked to them. They'll come in. They're having marriage problems. And, and here's what I'll hear a lot of times. People tell me, well, we've been married for a while. But, you know, as we've been married for a while, we've, we've grown apart. Uh, we've been married for a while. And uh, I, have, I have outgrown my spouse. Uh, we've been married for a while, and we just don't have the same, the same thoughts and ideas about life like we used to. And so I, I kind of, kind of condensed it down to to just a little one little thing about what it comes down to. What basically people tell me when they're struggling in marriage is, I don't feel the same way for this person like I used to. Now, guys, let me tell you something. When it comes to love and it comes to marriage, love is not a feeling. Love is something that you choose to do. Now, you might say, well, that sounds good, but you don't know my wife. And there's no way I could choose to love her. And you can have every excuse that you can come up with, and you might be right. But here's the deal. Here's what God says. God says, husbands, love your wives. He doesn't say, if they act right. He says, you love your wife. Now, remember this. This is what Jesus taught in Luke six thirty-five. Jesus said this. He said, love your enemies and do good to them. Now, if you and I are supposed to love our enemies, you think we're supposed to love our spouses as well? What do you all think? Absolutely. Now, you might say, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why should I do that? Because understand this. When you love your spouse like that, you need to understand that that is precisely the same way that God loves you. When you love your spouse and you choose to love your spouse, understand you are doing the same thing that God has chosen to do to do with you. Did you know God chooses to love you? Not because you you earn it, not because you deserve it. He chooses to. I mean, listen to what the Bible says. Romans five eight. God demonstrates His own love towards us in this, in that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Verse 25 lets us know that Christ loved the church. The church is also called the bride of Christ. Jesus loves the church so much, the Bible says, that he lays down his life for her. Now, are we, are we worthy of that kind of love? And ab, y'all, absolutely not. And let me tell you something. There will be times when your spouse is not worthy of your love either. There's going to be times when that happens. But what's our calling as believers? It is to love our spouses, to choose to love them anyway. Because when we do that, we demonstrate to the world the kind of love that Christ has for us. Now, if, if you decide that you're going to love your spouse based on their performance, you know, I'm, I, I will love my wife if she does this for me. But if she doesn't do this for me, then I'm not going to love her anymore. Now, if you do that... Your marriage is going to go well as long as you know they're doing what they want you to do. As long as they're they're performing well. But when you have that kind of love, you remove the basis for your love, boy. That, it's over. You know, it doesn't work anymore. Uh, there's a, an elderly man He was a multimillionaire, and he married a, a young lady that was in her twenties. And after a while, he began to wonder. I wonder if she just married me for my money. And so he you know, just kept bothering him. So he decided he's going to ask her. He said. Let me ask you a question. Would you still love me if I didn't have any money? And she like, oh, that's, that's a ridiculous question. Of course I'd still love you. Now, I would miss you, but I would still love you. Now, uh, now, whenever you base your love off of circumstances and performance, that's the kind of commitment that you get. Now, Paul says, husbands, you are to choose to love your spouse. It is not a feeling. And whenever you choose to love your spouse... You create a stability, a stability, and a confidence in that relationship. Not only that, but Paul says that we are to love our wives in order to purify them, and that that's seen. In, if you look in verse number twenty-six, that's what he says. Now, now, what does that mean? Well, well, husbands, we are the spiritual. Remember, we are the house band. We are the spiritual leaders in the family, and so we are to guide and to direct our family towards the things of God so that in the marriage relationship as your wife is married to you that ought to bring her closer to God so that makes me ask the question guys are you providing that kind of an atmosphere in your marriage where you're leading your spouse closer to the things of God you know are you bringing your spouse so you bringing your wife Into the church, leading her in that direction with you So that you can demonstrate to her That what is important are the things of God See, there's going to be a day when God's going to hold us men Accountable for what we are stewards of And we are stewards of the family So some things to be reminded of, husbands One of all is to to be reminded of the, the purpose of a husband's love But another thing that we need to be reminded of is this The pattern of a husband's love How we are to love. Now look with me in, let's see, verse number 28. It says, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Now the comparison that's being made here is that the husband is supposed to love his wife like Christ loves the church. Now, in the Bible, in Revelation 19, 7, the church is called the bride of Christ. So Christ views us as his bride. So we are to love our wives like Christ loves the church. Now, if you look back in verse 25, how did Christ love the church? How much did he love her? So much that he did what? That he died for her. That's, that's pretty that's significant. Okay, now another thing in verse thirty, the church is also called the body of Christ. And so we are husbands, we are to love our spouses as much as we love our bodies. And if you look in the Bible, you'll see many times where it talks about how Christ loves the body, the body of Christ. Now here's a question. How much do we love our bodies? We all we we treat and take care of and pamper our bodies more in this culture than in any other culture in the world. And I mean, think about all the stuff that we, we like to do. We, we like to, you know, we, we, spend, we spend literally billions of dollars every year on cosmetics. When I say we, that's generally women. I don't, but, you know, generally. Uh, whenever we talk about how we take care of ourselves, we uh, spend tons of money every year on gym memberships. I'm going to try to cut down on that cost this year. Uh, so there's a lot of you do CrossFit uh, Some of y'all, y'all wanna, you want to look good you know, We're getting ready to go to the beach I got I to gotta tan, I got to get in a tanning booth um, We do whatever we can In order to look good We take care of our bodies Now We are told right here in our text That we are to love and care For our wives Like we care for our bodies Now how is our wife like our body Y'all, y'all remember where Eve came from Where'd she come from she came from Adam's rib. she came from his body. They are one flesh. That's why Genesis 2:24 says, "For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. So then let me ask the question: Do you love and take care of your wife like you take care of your own body? Now how do you take care of your body? Um, in this service, it's a, it's 11.15 right now, and in a little bit, some of you are going to start feeling some, some growling right around here, and you're going to have these pain. you're going to start getting hungry. Now, when your body begins to let you know that it's hungry, most of us respond to that need, and we go and we feed the body, and we take care of it, but we recognize that. Now, do you have that kind of sensitivity towards your spouse? where you recognize her needs, where you recognize her desires so that you can help fulfill and meet them. You know, let, let me give you a sort, sort of an example. Um, I've not always been that great at recognizing the needs and the wants and the desires of my wife because typically, here's what I've typically thought. Whatever I want and desire is what she wants and desires because what I want and desire is always right. And so I just assume that she's going to be just like me. Well, y'all, It might, might surprise you to know that's not true. And when you learn that, it's a little shocking. And so I thought that when we got married, and I thought one of the, one of the things I was supposed to do as a husband, you're supposed to buy your wife gifts. You know, it's a birthday, what are, You know, go get them a gift. Okay, now my mom is a gift person. She likes, she likes to get gifts. And pretty much anything but jewelry, that's, that's, uh, that's a winner. Uh, expensive jewelry, not just any jewelry. And so I thought when Emily and I got married, I said, like, well, she's going to be like my mom. You know, she's going to like the same stuff mom does. And I got her stuff. And she, to me, it didn't seem like she was very appreciative. You know, I'd give it. She was like, oh, thanks. And I, that bothered me. But I didn't know what her desires were. I didn't know what her wants were. Well, years later, I ended up getting her something that blew my mind that it was exactly what she wanted. You know what I bought her? I bought her, I bought her um, grass, sod, not the stuff you smoke, okay, so I bought, her, I bought her sod, and I went out, we had the yard sodded, and I didn't tell her, and she came home, and she started crying, and I was like, this is insane, you know, I couldn't believe she was so happy, she was so happy, because, but for the, I finally, I nailed it, you know, one of the few times in our marriage, I just nailed it, I got it right. But I, was, I, was, I began to think, I think, you know, she likes to do yard work. I bet you she like grass since we, like, don't have any. And so I got her grass, and she loved it. Now, that was an example when I recognized a need that she had, and I went out and I met her need. Now, what Paul is saying is, husbands, you need to recognize who your wife is and her desires and the wants, and then, and then you, you speak to those wants and desires. Because if you don't and you ignore them, it, it creates it cr- creates decay in a marriage. You know, if, if you're if you're so insensitive, the only thing you think about is yourself and not your spouse. Well, it, it creates trouble. Uh, back in 1984, there was a cleaning lady in St. Louis, and she noticed in her house that there were bees that were flying in and out of her attic, and, and she didn't pay much attention to it. She ignored it. Well, that that happened all summer, and those bees became not it just they became just a, a few bees became a hundred bees became over a thousand bees. And in her attic, they built a massive honeycomb. Now, she did not know that until her roof caved in from the weight of the honey. Now, it fell, didn't kill her, uh, but it, it got close. Now, that lady, because she ignored that problem for so long, her house could not be repaired. That, that happens in a whole lot of marriages. We ignore stuff for a long time, and it gets to a point where it's beyond the point of return. So Paul tells us that there's some things that we need to be mindful of as husbands. One, be mindful of the purpose of your love for your spouse. Second one, be mindful of the, powder, of the pattern of your love, husbands. It's supposed to be patterned after Jesus. We're to, we're to love, love our spouses like Christ loved the church. and He gave himself for her. And then the last one is to keep in mind the permanency of a husband's love. You know, how long is this stuff supposed to last? Well, look with me in verse 31 says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Now, I, I believe for one, of, one of the biggest barriers to a successful marriage between a husband and wife oftentimes can be extended family, those who are outside of the husband-wife relationship. A lot of times when I see, I see uh, people get married... And the husband or the wife, they will, they will get married, but their primary relationship is not one another. Instead, it is still it is mom and dad, or it is the children that they end up having, and they ignore their relationship. They don't put it number one. And that creates so many problems. Now, it's not saying that we're supposed to just you know, ditch our parents and ignore them and be mean to them and say, we're married now and you don't have any say in our lives. It's not what it's talking about. The fifth commandment. One of the commandments, it tells us that we are to honor our father and our mother. It's just in the decision-making process in your lives that, that nothing is to supersede the relationship of the husband and the wife. Matter of fact, our text tells us that when we get married, it says we are joined together. That word joined, it means to be glued or cemented together. When that happens, and you become one flesh. Now, if something is joined, and if it's cemented and glued together, that speaks of permanency. That speaks of primacy in a person's relationship. So when you get married, it is something that is to be lasting. But if it's going to be lasting, then the husband and the wife, it says when they come together, they become one flesh. Now, if you're going to become one flesh, it means you have to work together. Let me give you an example of this. Back during, uh, right after World War II, there was a performer, they're doing USO shows uh, for the veterans, and one guy named Jimmy Durante was going to do, he was asked to do a show and and speak, and he said, I'd love to do it, but I could could only do like a two-minute intro, and I've got another performance I have to do, so I don't know if you want me to do it or not. And he said, we'd be honored just to have you for a couple minutes. So he he went, and he did the show, and, and he did his little introduction, so they're waiting for him to come off stage, but he didn't come off stage. Uh, he continued to perform, and he did a comedy routine, lasted like 30 minutes, they gave him a like, standing ovation, and, uh, and he walks off the stage, and when he does, the, his manager's like, what was that all about? So he told us you, you only had a couple of minutes, you have another performance, and he said, I do, he said, but let me show you the reason why I didn't leave. And so as those guys were clapping, he pointed to two guys in the front row, and one of the guys didn't have a left arm, and one of the other guys didn't have a right arm, and they're sitting there flapping together he said now when I saw them he goes there's no way I was leaving when I saw that See, so he said there's two guys he said they saw in each other their strengths they recognized their weaknesses but they knew if they came together they could be complete now that's marriage now a lot of times in marriage I like to look and think I've got it all together I have no weaknesses I'm all strengths and my spouse is not weak so I have to hold them up Every one of us, we have strengths and weaknesses. You know, whenever, whenever God created Adam, you might remember before Eve was created, this is what God said. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so he made Eve, and when he made Eve and Adam and Eve came together, they were completed. That is marriage. We see our weaknesses, but we see the strength in the other, and if we come together, then we are able to be a finished product that God has made. Remember, marriage, guys, marriage, it's, it's, not, it's not what we feel. It's what we choose. And as Jesus has chosen to love us, we have been, as husbands, we've been called to lead in choosing to love our wives. And the way that we keep that in mind is to keep in mind the purpose of the love that you're to have for your wife. Keep in mind the pattern of your love. You're to love your wife just like Christ loves the church. And then you're to keep in mind the permanency of your love. You are to love your spouse for the rest of your life. And we need more and more men to rise up and to say, I Regardless of what everybody else does, I will love my wife. Now, earlier we sang a song that spoke of being in the fire. And I know it's all well and good to stand up here and talk about marriage and how it's supposed to work out and all that. And some of you are like, hey, that sounds great. Let me tell you something. My marriage, it, you talk about it being in a fire, it is on fire. And I don't know if we're going to make it. You can look at your marriage and you can say, you know, I don't even I don't want to be in this marriage. I am tired of being alone. I'm tired of fighting this battle alone. Guys, in that song, it says, When you are in the fire, there is one who is standing with you. It is Jesus. And it could be that you might be in a fire, because it is, it, as you are in that fire, it could be a purifying process that can take a lot of junk and dross out of your life to make you the man that God wants you to be.